You're listening to Building the Broncos with Nick Kendall and Carl Dummler, Broncos Country's leading draft and scouting analysts. Get on over to milehighhuddle.com to sound off on all things Broncos. Hot button, hot button, button. I gotta, <laughs> gotta get one more check mark going before we get really too too excited in here. Um, okay, wheel spinning. All right, five check marks. Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome into Tuesday night, uh, 6 p.m. Mountain Time, uh, which means it's time for another episode of Building the Broncos. And with me, as always, friend, co-host, football mind extraordinaire, and just a great dude, uh, Carl Dummler. Carl, how you doing today, buddy? I've I've been good. I've got the last three daughter three days with my daughter. Three daughters, huh? Uh, yeah, three daughters. Uh, Congrats. No. Uh, but uh, no, it's been good. Got done with the swimming pool not too long. Got my nice little tan going on here mm. today. And uh, just uh, just feeling good. Feeling very relaxed and ready to talk some Bronco football. And excited that we might have some news on ownership. Man, we, we might have. Uh, it's been years in the making. And it might yeah. be something going down. So I'm excited about that. But uh, how are you surviving, man? You're not melted yet. Um, well, it's not 108 degrees like it was yesterday. Uh, so I'm getting by. It's uh, 85 right now, which is still really hot um, for this area with no air conditioning. And also while I'm in here, I don't have a fan going. Otherwise, the, the podcast would be the horrible quality. It just, and this is the Broncos just blowing in the background. So not going to do that to you guys. Um, that'll I'm sure that'll come across great uh, when people are listening <laughs> to the audio, that uh, sound clip there. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I'm doing I'm doing fine. I'm uh I, I joined the show today uh, with you and I joined the stream with no shirt on. So I wanted to give you and John a little show, um, but uh, no, it's, I'm doing pretty well. I'm making the light of it and it's starting to get cooler. I got a friend visiting me uh, tomorrow and uh, my wife's mom, who I'm pretty good friends with as well, um, is coming out this weekend. So uh, things are all things are coming up aces recently. You know, things are getting cooler, too. That just puts me in a better mood, man. I do not. I am not meant for the heat. Some people love the heat. Hell no. Yeah. Get me out of there. I, I cannot do it. I remember when I lived in Seattle, it hit, I think, like 93 one day, and our mm. apartment did not have any AC at all, and oh my gosh, I was melting. My wife was in heaven. She loves oh. she loves heat. Oh. Like, if it's 75, she's wearing a sweater. Ah, nope. That's, yeah, that's, uh, so. <laughs> that's shorts and no shirt weather for as far yeah, as I know. Yeah, that, that's me too. So, uh, yeah, I understand that pain of, of being in that place and not having any kind of air conditioning to to counter it. Have you seen the Keen Peel skit where uh, his wife or girlfriend, excuse me, is going through his search history and he's just like dripping, like just like water faucet, like it's going ridiculous. Yeah. That's just me if the temperature gets above 85. Yeah. Just dripping sweat. Um, so uh, I would die if there was ever an apocalypse, uh, yeah, post-apocalyptic where like, there was just heat all the time. Dead. Terry yeah. and I had to live in Georgia for eight years, hated every minute of it. Um, <laughs> see, I lived in Iowa for a while where you get the extremes yeah. and everything as well. But uh, we had air conditioning. It's a yeah. different beast when you do not have air conditioning in mind. Let me tell you. Um, so let's get to the uh, matters of business here before we get too far here talking about the weather as carl and i have to do we're both uh middle class white guys right the first thing oh how are you doing how's the weather blah 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 how's the wife and kids um but uh guys this is building the broncos good to see everybody in here today joining in trickling in uh nice and slow it's a, a lazy tuesday um you can find me on twitter at nick kendall mhh and uh carl dumbler on twitter also at carl dumbler mhh also guys make sure you uh Follow John on Twitter as well. He's uh, working behind the scenes here, rocking his uh, his crazy horse hat, everyone's favorite. Uh, I know he's probably still uh, on cloud nine with the Broncos news about wearing the throwback helmets because uh, there's a chance. Maybe it won't happen this year, but it's going to happen eventually. Um, they will wear those uniforms, so that'll be a lot of fun. Hopefully the Broncos can uh, win that game. Maybe John will have to get tickets for that one. Um, but uh, follow John at John KMHH. Um, while you guys are over on Twitter, please also follow Mile High Huddle at mile high huddle. It's a hard one to remember. I know. And also uh, follow the podcast account at BTB football pod. Um, guys, if you're joining us on Facebook today, I see you're starting to trickle in nice and slow, but uh, click those thumbs up. I see Gary leads Palmer's already given the thumbs up. George Fox, Tommy Simmers, Greg Smith, uh, Aaron as well. So if you guys have joined us on Facebook today, click the thumbs up, click the carry act, click the heart react. That helps us a lot. And while you're over on Facebook, also join us on facebook.com uh, forward slash mile high huddle and Facebook dot com forward slash mile high huddle pod um and our main bread and butter 
YouTube people, you know, if you're joining us, Twitch, Periscope, wherever, that's great. We love you for it. Uh, but YouTube is probably the main driver here. Oh, we got a few more coming in here. We got a love from Terry Rig. I see you, Terry. Carl Rosa on Facebook giving us the like. Thank you. Oh, and an eighth one, uh, Matt Henry as well. Thank you, guys. Man, come in and call of action. You like that? Nine now. <laughs> um, I got to keep it going, though. So sorry, number nine. We'll get to you. Uh, but uh, join us on YouTube today also. Um, if you're joining us on YouTube, please subscribe, like, and share. I know that the main driver of this show is uh, the Super Chats. You know, but not everybody's in a position to do that. I know that at plenty of times in my life, I would not have been in position to do that as well. Um, but something you can do that's completely free that helps us a heck of a lot. If you go to YouTube, subscribe, like, and share, um, get this show, get all the shows uh, to new listeners, new Broncos fans out there and uh, bring in a new audience because, you know, I really hate the echo chamber. I hate the uh, positive feedback loop that can be the news sources, right? And uh, if we get a more diverse community in here, reach out to more people, it means that we can get different takes, different eyes, and uh, everybody grows with uh, that diversity in the fan base. So uh, please go ahead and do that if you guys have not yet. Um, so Carl, I know that our theme today was original. Actually, let's say hello to first to some people. Diamond Rattler coming in here. <laughs> I love Diamond. Diamond and I have gone back a few times uh, back when we were talking quarterbacks. Would have been like way back in January, but uh, he keeps showing back up. So, uh, you know, it's, even if we don't always agree, that's uh, incredible to keep coming back. So Diamond says, boom, let's go. So what's the news regarding the ownership of the Broncos that just came out? Lawsuit has been vacated, settlement incoming. Um, so Carl, uh, you first thing you said, even you didn't even react to my no shirt. No, that's not true. You you winked a little bit, um, but it's a very subtle wink. Um, but um, what can you tell us about the uh, the settlement, this news coming? And I think it was Ryan O'Halloran. Hopefully I pronounced his name correctly. Um, who is a Broncos beat writer for Den the Denver post. I think so. If I'm not mistaken. Okay. Yes. Yeah. And uh, yes, of course there was a wink. Okay, uh, how good. could there not be a wink? But uh, no, you're right. So there is what is called a stay of the, yes. the lawsuit. Thanks, Andrew. And I'm, I'm not a lawyer, so maybe we can get one of our lawyer friends uh, in here. We've got a couple I know in the chat that that can probably explain this a little bit better. But essentially, it means something has happened in the case that has made one side decide or both sides decide to stay to to put the case on hold and say, we're not going to move forward with anything if certain things happen moving forward. So th they're waiting for more information to come about. Now, what that could be, it could be that there is a settlement between the two sides that uh, Beth Bolin and what's the other one's name? Clemmer. Yeah. Uh, um, that Amy Clemmer. Yeah, that either they're getting kind of paid to take a step back. Could be that the NFL and others are deciding, Broncos, it's time for you to be sold. And they're sitting there saying, well, then there's no reason to have this lawsuit of fighting for ownership if the team's just going to be sold. So th this is big, big news for the Broncos. Uh, I, I think it really could be heading in that direction of that the team is going to be sold. And we've talked on here before of some names that could be out there for the Broncos that, uh, that could really help this franchise. I mean, we've talked about it before that one of the biggest, like I love the Bolins. I, who could not as a Bronco fan, all three Super Bowls have happened with the Bolins at, at leadership. Mm -hmm. um, and of course, Pat Bolin. I mean, he, as much as John Elway is kind of the face of the franchise, Pat Bolin is the true, embodiment of everything that is the Denver Broncos. Yeah. Uh, and it, it's sad to see how everything went down with him and now with his family. But part of the problem is just the money. I mean, we've talked about Broncos are cash poor. There, there's a difference between Relatively. having cap space. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Compared to other NFL owners. Let's yes. put it that way. Broncos are in the, the bottom five when it comes to cash flow as a franchise. And, as much as people think, you know, the NFL is worth all this money and, you know, these owners are just getting ridiculous money. The truth really is at the end of the season, after everything's been paid out, the, the real money is in the, the ownership of the team. So when you sell them, that, that's when you get all of your profits. You know, Broncos were bought for like $700 million back when Pat Bowen first started buying them. Now they're worth over $2 billion. Not, not a bad deal when you're talking about your investment. But when you're talking about actually cash on hand at the end of the year, you're talking maybe 30 to $50 million. And a lot of times they put that back into stadium um, or practice fields or facilities, pay boat boosts, uh, money to save up for future contracts 
because any kind of signing bonus that you put out there, you got to pay it all up front. Now, it doesn't get to the player right off the bat, but you have to at least have that money on hand to put into the bank. Escrow. Yes. Right, escrow. So uh, let's let's clear some tweets here from Ryan O'Halloran um, that he said that uh, insight on this. So they, the first tweet that he had said uh, trial between Amy Clemmer and Beth Bolin Wallace versus Bolin trustees Ellis uh, Slivka and Kelly has been stayed per joint motion. Um, and the trial date of July 12th has been vacated. And uh, stayed a lot of times means that the parties want to halt right where they are and not do anything more right now. Um, he also hinted that um, interested in NFL headquarters involvement, uh, pushing sides towards a settlement, uh, keeping it private. So that could be something here. Obviously, the NFL would like this not to get public um, and not to drag out. Um, so that could be a obviously a heavy influence there. Um, also, it's uh, from an account called uh, Denver versus Everybody, who has a definitely an inside scoop um, in the Denver Broncos, has said that uh, both Beth Bowen Wallace and Amy Clemmer have said that they would drop the suit if the Broncos were sold. So it makes me it makes me think that a very possible settlement has been agreed to, um, and that a uh, sale is not only likely but at this point probably imminent. Not not the actual sale happening, but going um, being on on the market. I guess is the way to put it. Um, so we got a super coming in here. Thank you very much for kicking us off, Brian. Um, well, never mind. He doesn't talk about me. Forget the super. Get out of here, Brian. He doesn't mention mine. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, Brian, long time to see Carl. Uh, long time no see Carl. It's, well, yeah. I it's mean, never too long to see Carl. His beautiful beard, <laughs> his jovial spirit. Um, so, oh, and everybody's giving me a hard time about Germany losing today. Guys, you guys earned it. I think it's the first time England has ever beaten Germany in turn, term, uh, tournament play. Um, so, you know. Is what it is, Carl. You were a soccer player, right? Am I? Yeah. Off the rescue. Okay. Yeah. No, I, I am. I I uh, coach I it, and yes. I've played. We have an adult league around here. I'm not great, but I, I do play. Yeah. Um, and so I'm very interested always in soccer and being of German roots. They are beyond the the U.S. team, of course. If any other national team, Germany's the one I cheer for. Mm-hmm. And uh, but hey, I, I give it to England. They needed a win. They got one. Proud. Not proud, but. I guess good, good for, them. for them. Yeah, good for them. Yeah, little especially, little golf clap for them. I'll give especially, that. Especially uh, good for our uh, English listeners out there. Yeah. Um. So happy for you guys. I I sick uniforms. But anyway, back to the Broncos here. Um. Yeah, Travis coming in. Hello, my fellow Iowan and Carl Denver Bronco for life. Um. Thank you very much. People are asking what happened to your flag, Nick. I'm supposed to take it down and put it up between every episode, and uh, I came in here a little bit late. Um, so, uh, I had enough time to take my shirt off to tease Carl and also to take off my undershirt cause it was way too hot, but I totally forgot to put up the flag. So, um, uh, it's still around, but, um, you know, it is what it is. And we also got, want to give a shout out to Michael, um, real quick here. Uh, good evening, Carl and Nick. Great to see you again. Nick from this morning from Broncos for breakfast. I'm watching live now on Facebook, go Broncos. And Michael always is a great supporter. Um, and you know, he's got the, he's rocking the merch right there. And uh, he also very uh, supportive on uh, Twitter as well. Always reaching out after the show, saying what he liked, what he didn't like. And, uh, you know, we appreciate that. So good to see you. Um, so what are your thoughts here, Carl? I guess the next thing is, do you think this is something that is an imminent sale? And uh, is there somebody in mind that you have uh, that you're looking for? And I hear Summit is the going to be the new Airbud. Um I'm waiting until Summit's growth plates are um, completely closed before I'm subjecting him to uh, – any contact sports. Now I'm a responsible dog owner yeah. in that regard. All right. I-, I wanted to get to this comment from Tyler Rogers. Oh, sorry. I'll, I'll, I'll leave my hands off. Sorry. Um, I'll get there. Uh, so Tyler Rogers, I don't understand why Pat didn't put who he wanted to own it in his will. I think from what I understand, Pat wanted this to be a family business. And so he was hoping that maybe you'd have one kid that was the face of the ownership, of course, but the rest of them would all work together as a family. Uh, you, you see that with a lot of others, the Chiefs, they have a family that runs the entire organization, the Steelers. I think that's what he kind of pictured for his team as well, that they would kind of work together as a family. Well, <laughs> unfortunately, the kids don't exactly get along with each other. And of course, you've got one who is not exactly always stable, his son, <clears throat> um, we're, we're not going to get into that too much, but, yeah. um, but yeah, th- there's a lot of craziness that's kind of happened there. And then of course got, unfortunately kids just, from different family. Good, yeah, yeah. It just, okay. I'll, I'll leave that all alone, but um, I think that's what he had in mind and it just didn't turn out that way. 
I wish, I mean, I know that it would never happen, but like if NFL films and HBO could, they have hard knocks, but I want to see like a, like Game of Thrones style of the Bolin family. Like, right. Didn't he make his family make a bunch of money off like the shopping cart empire too. And like, there's oil money as well. I think it would be real, like his wife or something, the shopping cart money. So, mm-hmm. uh, the Nikki Jablava did an amazing piece when this all first came to life about the secret uh, child and everything like that. So, um, yeah, it's, yeah, that uh, doesn't help either. <laughs> it would be a, a very interesting, uh, drama out there. Kind of like, uh, was the show billionaires or whatever. So, um, yeah. thank you for the comment. Tyler. I, th- I mean, it does sound like this team is probably a settlement coming in, probably a, um, a sale. And that's what yeah. we've been saying for a year now, right? It's just like, this is, a lot of there's going to be some posturing. There's going to be some back and forths, both sides trying to carve out as much power to get as much yeah. out of it as they can, because this is their main money egg. Right. Yeah. Um, they do not like each other. You put that, that's putting it lightly. Um, but this team is going to go on the market. How long will they be on the market? Um, it's a show like Dallas. Yeah, that's, it really is. Um, but uh, how long will this team be on the market? Who could it go to? Um, unsure. Um, I think the biggest thing is I don't really, okay. I guess I do kind of care who it goes to. Like, I don't want it to go to like, somebody who's like pure evil, you know, like, like I don't want yeah. to be cheering for a Jeffrey Bezos owned team. Now it'd be cool. If all the Broncos could go to the moon. Like he could pay to take them to the moon. That'd be cool. Right. Also, I could sing the Jeffrey Bezos like song. Um, every time, I don't know if you've seen the new Bo Burnham, uh, special, it's a really dark trigger warning for, uh, those with mental health issues out there. Um, but, um, man, it's, uh, I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I really don't want him. <laughs> I feel like he Bezos. would be, I feel like he'd be one of those owners that like, wants to cut corners as much as possible because he's all about the almighty dollar mm-hmm. and just not really caring about the actual team. Like that was the thing about Pat Bowen. Like the team was everything to him. He he invested everything he possibly could to make this a great team. He would go spend time with players. He would meet with their families. Like he was fully invested in everything that was Denver Broncos. And, and so that's why th- there's a couple guys out there. I'm trying to remember names. I wish this didn't come out like five minutes before we're supposed to start our show. And right, I would have yeah. a little time to remember names. Cause you know how bad I am with names. Um, but there, there's a guy, he uh, grew up in Denver and I'm trying to remember. He's one of the richest. Uh, oh, he's, I think he is the richest minority in the United States. And I, I think, nice. yes, yes, that that's his name. And uh, I think he would do great for the Broncos because he, I think he loves the city Everywhere he's gone in his business, he's always made sure that it is about improving the community. Um, you know, he, he was one of them that was actually trying hard to keep, he was living in Oakland at the time of trying to keep uh, the Oakland Raiders in Oakland and uh, pushed hard to try to build up the community around it to make it a little bit better investment for people. And it didn't work out, obviously, but I, I just see that with the Broncos, that he would work hard to to make them a good team and a good community center for for denver yeah and um you know miss me with like elon musk that would be terrible that'd be just so annoying i mean so annoyed i mean it'd be funny but like what the heck is going on i mean yeah we already in uh we already live in a simulation right things are just off the rails so uh why not jim bezos would have kept Lindsay. all right um well um i do think robert smith uh he's one who i think he's from denver um and he's done a lot of like paying for a bunch of uh african-americans college degrees um paying off their college debt um, I do think he had something where like a tax evasion, where he had to pay a bunch of money off mm-hmm. um, to the courts because of that. So it's not squeaky clean. Um, so that might be something that could be an issue. But, uh, <laughs> you know, they're NFL owners. They're billionaires. Not everybody's going to be squeaky clean in general. So uh, we're seeing what happens um, there in that regard. So, uh, yeah, like we said, this is something that we thought would be happening eventually. Um, it's just interesting that we hit this hurdle today, potential hurdle, at least some movement. It's felt a uh, glacier pace, but it also feels like uh, keeping it in uh, in context or in theme of Seattle melting and climate change. Uh, it's a glacier that's it's been heated up, and uh, we have an avalanche coming. I think we're going to see some movement happen really quickly here. Um, I knew, so I knew something ahead. that would come up uh, yeah. since Trump tried to buy the bills. Yeah. <laughs> um. Well, you know, I think the NFL probably wouldn't. Uh, I think the NFL probably wouldn't want that. I mean, the NFL uh, already yeah, had be, called in from the Bills, right? Like they said, no, we don't yeah, want you. So right, yeah, it, it'd be too be. much chaos for the NFL. I mean, it, it'd bring a lot of headlines, but not the headlines they want for sure. Um, yeah. So yeah, that, that's not going to happen. I've seen a few people say Peyton Manning. So <laughs> Peyton Manning is is rich beyond belief, obviously, but he's not ownership rich. 
And so he, he be, would, like Magic Johnson is yeah. a figurehead for an ownership right. group that purchased the Lakers. Um, that's what Peyton Manning could do. And that would be awesome. I would yeah. be all about that. Um, but actually, like the actual money, uh, no, yeah, not happening. Not, I, I feel like if I remember right, is his wife richer than him? Like her family? Because oh, they, they own the uh, – what team is it? They own a basketball team or have oh, part man. ownership in a basketball team. The Grizzlies, I maybe? I don't know. Maybe. I know that yeah. uh, Arthur Smith, uh, the new Falcons head coach, doesn't need to be a head coach because he's the heir to uh, FedEx. Right? <laughs> his dad started FedEx. So uh, that's, a, okay. that's a funny one. Oh, and Terry Riggs saying Tennessee is the team. So uh, that would be Memphis. Um, so – I don't know. That'd be really cool. Let's uh, say hello to some people coming in here right now. Miller 707 is in the house. Good to see you, Miller 707. Um, always good to see you. Higher Learning is out here. Um, KB82, we've already said hello to. Good to see you. Richie Rich is in the house. Good to see you, Richie. Um, we got Enki in the house. Swink McLeod, Charlie Beagle's in the house. Jay Kozad, Mike S. Always rocking the uh, the Alabama, the, the A with the mullet. Good to see you. Jay-Z, that'd be a fun one. Uh, Luke Holtz, Luke Holtz. Brian Greenfield's in the house, too. Um, so yeah, no, it's awesome. And I think we had like a $2 super. Did we get that earlier? A slide and glide. Um, let's get to this real quick. Uh, Cause we don't want to leave slide and glide bros on read. You know, we're, we're nicer than that. We're not gonna, you can hit us up in the DMS. As far as I'm concerned, my shirt was off earlier, man. I'm, I'm in. Um, so speaking <laughs> of slide and glide, uh, expectations. Oh my God, John, if I had have pulled you up at that moment, <laughs> slide and glide bros. Uh, expectations for minors. Um, I think he's going to get a, uh, this is going to be a redshirt year for him. If he does play, I think it's means something went wrong either with Cushionberry failing to take a step forward or injuries occurring. Um, he could blow by uh, expectations and start this year. You know, anything can happen, but I've said it on this show many times. I mean, you're talking about a guy who didn't even play center at division three football. First time he snapped was snapping footballs and live reps was at the senior bowl. So hello, um, all the mental stuff that happens there. Not that minors is slow or stupid or anything, probably quite to the contrary, but he hasn't done it. And to going from division three to the NFL level with like the line checks and everything, getting everybody aligned and the pre-snap stuff is that's a huge ask. That'd be like asking a high school kid to take a PhD class, right? Like PhD classes aren't hard guys. Not, um, but uh, <laughs> you know, it'd be, it'd be really hard um, for him to do that. And uh, even that's not even getting into the technical side of things, the strength and conditioning going from division three, whitewater to the NFL. So uh, 2021 expectations for minors, probably if you see him this year, it means something went wrong. Uh, probably unless you know things happen i'm not i'm not gonna say it's impossible for him to be amazing out of the gate but that's typically not the case um uh, but i do think long term he has a chance to start in the interior offensive line where that is that remains to be seen um there are five solid interior offensive linemen the broncos have right now there's only three spots so what does it mean Reisner, if he struggles this year, maybe one that's out. Glasgow's contract may be out. Cushionberry, if he struggles, may be out. So also you got to factor in a tame Moody. So uh, Broncos are looking to take a tackle with that that draft spot. Uh, he was taken. Both tackles were taken. They were looking at there in the third round. Um, so they took minors, and uh, they strengthened the interior offensive line. And either way, I mean, right, it's a strength strength versus strength. And hopefully the best guy wins and the whole unit's better for it. But uh, those are my long-winded <laughs> expectations for minors. What do you think, Carl? Yeah, I'm with you there. Like I said, center is becoming actually beyond left tackle. It might be the second most important position on the offensive line. No, you're not with that? No. Okay. Right tackle, for sure. You, you, okay. It's, it's way too hard to isolate a uh, tackle. You That's can, true. You can, you That's can protect true. the inside. I, I just think with the, uh, with the amount of information and, and everything that the center has to know, um, yeah. you're, you're just asking so much for a rookie. Like I said, a guy that was division three didn't even play last year mm-hmm. to come in and, and do that. That hasn't actually ever played the position other than the senior bowl. It, it just, the odds of that happening and him doing well, like he could maybe take it because Lloyd Christianberry was not great last year, mm-hmm. but the odds of him actually doing well at that are slim to none. Uh, you know, I, I believe in the kid. I think he does have a real future in the NFL, I think he could become one of the the fan favorites real quick if he's not already. But I mean, especially because of his play on the field, because he's strong. uh, He is smart. He's a hard worker. He's all the things you want in a guy to, to become successful in the NFL. Um, So I I think he'll get there. It just not right now. And uh, you know, and then I've got a few people in here asking about that right tackle spot. 
Uh, <laughs> yeah, Timder. Carl, how could you say that after the turnstile at right tackle we've had the last couple of years? You're right. I mean, it has been downright terrible. And last year wasn't actually as bad as I think some people make it out to be. I, I think they did okay. It wasn't – I mean, there was a lot worse right tackle situations than what the Broncos had last season. Uh, still wasn't great. I'm not trying to sugarcoat anything here. Um, I, I think it will be better this year. I think the Broncos at least have a few options that have some decent starting experience um, who won't be complete liabilities, at least, I, I guess I should say. Um, so, yeah, I, I guess I, I'd put put it close between center and right tackle. I agree. You can isolate a right tackle, but I think just the information that you have to have it as a center is just off the charts. I will uh, add some nuance to that also. Um, if you have a quarterback who is either A, not very bright, or B, young, or C, C, A, and B, um, then having a uh, very smart, experienced center matters more. But if you have a Peyton Manning or a Tom Brady, it doesn't even have to be that, but a seasoned Good veteran point. at quarterback, you don't have to have a center that uh, has that wealth of knowledge that because the quarterback can do that too. And uh, the rumor is, again, I asked a couple people about this. I only got it confirmed from one. And I always like to try to get two things confirmed. So it's a rumor. Um, but the last year they put some stuff on Drew Locke's plate. He was struggling with, and then they shifted it to a cushion berry. Um, so having two young guys with that, I mean, that's not, that's not easy. That's not exactly what you want to see. Yeah. Um, so let's get into this. Um, also, first I want to say, um, Kane saying center is a hard position for any rookie to learn. That's very true. Yep. Um, and, <laughs> and uh, I don't know if you saw from pro football focus, they said the number one uh, offensive lineman in, in all of college football this year, not just center, but the number one offensive lineman in all of college football is university of Iowa's Tyler Linderbaum there. I had to get my Iowa reference in whoever's course, yeah, at home, take a drink. Yeah. Too. Um, all right. Well, Gary coming in here says love uh, the Nick and Carl show with all of the Broncos family training camp will answer so many questions. You're right. True. And uh, I've seen a couple about an Iowa player. So I wanted to ask you about this uh, because we, we did our main topic actually today was going to be talking about 2020 class expectations for 2021. Mm-hmm. And a couple of people have asked about what about Ojemudia? Where, where does he fit on this team this season? So, yeah, Michael Ojemudia is one who I am extremely excited to see in 2022 i know that's kind of a cop-out uh so to speak but the way this team the depth chart is lined up um i said it's probably a hard time for michael ojimudia to see starting reps because he would be fifth on the depth chart but that being said you have uh two players who are set to be free agents after this year in kyle fuller and bryce callahan and uh rod uh ronald darby and bryce callahan both have extensive extensive injury history um so uh that's um that means that Ojemudi has a path to the football field. It just probably isn't as much of this year on defense. He'll have special teams play this year, and uh, I'm sure you're going to see some rotation. And uh, I think Vic Fangio, when uh, before Kyle Fuller got out there, uh, Ojemudi was getting a lot of reps, and uh, he was impressing out mm-hmm. there, apparently, reportedly. I mean, that's pure hearsay. Um, so since we're doing law stuff today, might as well call that out. Objection, hearsay. Um, but uh, still, he's one that don't forget about Ojemudi. Even if he doesn't play this year, even if he's put in the fermentation chamber, He's, I think he's going to be a starting boundary corner for this team at some point. And the important thing here is three, three years left of expectate or three years left of uh, cost control. Yep. So he's still going to get a chance. Right. Uh, CC and- coming in here saying draft Evan Neal in next year's draft, right tackle problem solved. Um, he's a big boy. He's fun. Uh, if the Broncos are drafting, uh, you know, who knows? We have a whole year to play. He could fall down the, the first round because, you know, all these guys are perfect prospects until the, the scout microscope is put over them and then you pick out every single flaw. Um, But um, he's definitely one of the tackles to keep an eye on next year. So good call. Yeah. I did see a few people talking about Ojemudia switching over to safety. Well, you did have the Broncos just draft two safeties as well. So that makes it a little bit harder even to get into that kind of role. I mean, I don't mind them trying to cross train him this year and then kind of figure out, okay, where is he most successful? Mm -hmm. Because I do think he has the aggressiveness the intelligence to go play as safety. Uh, he, he's just, that, that's a harder switch than people realize though. It's yeah. not a, it's not a one-to-one apples to apples kind of thing. A safety is asked to do so many different things compared to a cornerback. Especially and, for Vic. Right. Exactly. So uh, I, I don't mind them cross training during training camp just because, yeah, he's not going to get a whole lot of reps otherwise just because of all the guys in front of him. But, uh, but I, I still think his best role is as, an outside cornerback for the Broncos moving forward. Yeah, you're probably right there. Um, 
I could see him get some reps if the Broncos do make a transition to more of a four two five base where instead of that smaller slot, uh, you see more like what a lot of college teams are doing is that star position where that's it's that nickel player isn't that small, you know, feisty cornerback. They're more of a uh, big body guy. Um, so uh, they, they call it star. Uh, I've seen some teams call it Viper, I think. Actually, that might be a linebacker position. I don't know. They all, they make up team names uh, yeah. or defensive position names to get guys to play. I saw, I think it was a Georgia team saying, oh, we're going to call this position sniper because the kids love <laughs> it. It's like, okay, well, cool. Um, but uh, you could see also him moving into that kind of hybrid uh, safety cornerback role, which Vic Fangio has historically liked to use. Um, but as far as, uh, see, here we go. See, would you be interested in seeing him as a star corner safety hybrid? Literally what I was just saying. So there you go, CC. <laughs> um, good call. Um, so yeah, I think uh, Ojemudi will be fine. It just might not be this year for him, but with how he plays and it's stuff that we don't get to see, unfortunately, and nobody gets to see besides the team themselves, how he's working behind the scenes could be a big uh, factor or variable for how the Broncos approach this off season with Bryce Callahan hitting free agency with Kyle yep. Fuller hitting free agency. Um, if they feel comfortable with Oja Moody, what he's done behind the scenes, maybe they're looking to pinch some costs there. Maybe they can pay a right tackle to come in. That's, you know, doesn't uh, take every other year off um, <laughs> and uh, can fortify that position. Or maybe they, maybe because of that, uh, they let Kyle Fuller slash Bryce Callahan and or walk and they can not only pay Cortland Sutton, they can pay Bradley Chubb. And you're already right. getting ahead of those contracts uh, because you went cheaper at cornerback because you felt good with uh, uh, Michael Ojemudia. So definitely right. don't sleep on Ojemudia. It just might be this year is more of uh, him on the on the back burner. You know, he's on a low boil right now. It's like when you cook, you know, you have your rice and you're supposed to let it sit there for a little bit before you fluff it up. Um, that's where Ojemudia is right now. And and I would add, this is kind of I talked about this a few weeks ago. One of the great things that the Baltimore Ravens have been doing for a long time is in those mid round picks. The, the third round, usually they're looking for pass rushers. And so then every two years they're drafting more pass rushers. And then by the time they get to the third year of their contract, they're replacing those high price guys. Mm-hmm. And so then those high price guys go off and then they get a third round comp pick for them. And then they mm-hmm. use that to get their replacement that will be ready two years later. So, uh, you know, the Broncos, like I said, they could be really looking at that kind of thing here with Ojemudia. And I did like Tim Durr's question, you know, maybe maybe he does show so well in camp that they sit there and say, why are we going to pay Bryce Callahan when we can have Ronald Darby go play that position? Yep. And, and we feel good about that. And we just don't trust that Callahan's going to stay healthy enough to justify keeping him at his contract. You know, maybe that's what happens. I, I don't know. It, it, it's there's so many things. That's the one group. I cannot wait until training camp gets here. Yeah. I put out a question on Twitter earlier, like who are going to be the top three guys week one? And <laughs> the results were kind of all over the place because people are going, well, you paid Kyle Fuller and you play, paid Ronald Darby. How could you not have them on the field? Well, you also used a top 10 pick on a cornerback. How could you not have that guy on the field? And Bryce Callahan, you're paying him too. And when he was on the field last year, he was a top 10 cornerback in football. So, <laughs> I mean, it's a great problem to have. Yeah. But I'm, I'm just very interested to see at the end of the day, when you are in your nickel formation, who are your three guys that are on the field? You might see them use more four because of yeah. how versatile Sertan is and whatnot. And uh, Callahan and Darby have a lot of injury history. So um, we'll see what happens. Callahan is the victim. Um, so uh, I don't know. Um, we got Harry coming in here. Ask a $10 super. Thank you very much, Harry. Uh, hey, Nick, do you plan on attending the Broncos uh, Seahawks game on 821? Um, right now, that is a, a TBD. Um, I might be backpacking somewhere deep in the cascades uh that day you have about three months um to take advantage of great weather out here and uh, it's a preseason game so uh i might be out there but if i have a chance to get out in the back country um then uh, i might do that as well that's a that's a tough decision also it depends on uh what the uh, what the budget's saying at that point <laughs> man where are your priorities come on <sighs> you, know, you know what uh mountains broncos hiking football uh either way i can't shut up about either of them so uh my poor wife um so i actually wanted to pull this up here real quick everybody stop okay there we go um so we wanted to talk about this today um hopefully that looks good for everybody on the screen um i'm about the visual aid uh so we're talking about and thank you very much for the ten dollar super um that means a lot harry um That'd be great if I could go to the game. We'll see what happens. Um, 
Broncos 2020 draft class uh, at the time, very highly heralded. And we kind of just wanted to go through now it's a year later with the expectations. Um, and you and I both preach, you know, when a draft class happens, give it a second to breathe. You know, it's like a good wine too. And then you put in a decanter, it has to aerate. I'm not a yep. wine drinker. I don't know. Give me that beer as fresh as possible. <laughs> unless it's a, unless it's a barrel aged stout and then let that baby sit in the basement for a bit. Um, but uh, here we go. Broncos draft class. And we've already talked about the Broncos, uh, third round picks in Ojemudi and Cushionberry. So I say, let's uh, save the receivers for last uh, okay. as far as the first two rounds. So let's keep going back. Well, so we'll keep everybody on the hook uh, as far as the Broncos early picks. Cause I'm sure everybody's going to have some opinions there. McTelvin Ajim, he's the next one. And uh, he's the one who out of this entire class, we saw the least from last year, which I think is pretty interesting for a uh, third round pick uh, 95th overall. Um, but uh, also he's a position that takes time to develop and Buana coming in here right. saying uh, he still needs to see him. He's concerned. Uh, you know, I'm kind of concerned too. I get some uh, DeMarcus Walker uh, flashbacks here and everybody's forgetting about a regime. So that is one to be concerned about. Now, that being said, he played a weird defense at Arkansas. It was kind of a three, three, five, and he was playing like seven technique where they're only rushing three and uh, definitely a guy that needed to change his, um, his body type a bit. He needed to get some more mass on his base and get a little bit more power. Now he does have twitch, and uh, agility that you don't always see. Um, so uh, that's that's a good factor. That's the reason we went uh, top 100. Um, but Kelvin Najim, he's one. Kelvin Najim, who? Well, guys, uh, Draymond Jones only flashed a little bit his rookie year, right? Like, we were like, right. oh, we're going to see. And then second year, boom. So put put it on ice. We're going to see what happens. It was Sosa. Yeah, Sosa, McTelvin, Najim coming here. So, Carl, what are you? What are your expectations for Najim this year? What's his role look like? What, what do we need to see? Well, I... When I was thinking about this 2020 class, when we came up with this this topic, I was thinking beyond, of course, Jerry Judy, KJ Hamler, the big names there, Lloyd Cushenberry, uh, of the guys remaining after those three, who do I think could make the biggest impact of this class? I think it's a gene because the defensive line, they do have usually a pretty big rotation. Uh, I mean, I know Albert will probably get his opportunities as well because he's number two tight end. You're going to have him on the field for a lot of different things. But I think Ajim could be a very underrated player this season. I mean, he was a five-star recruit coming out of, out of high school. Just, I mean, big-time player. And, and you saw the flashes in, in college. Like you said, played in a weird defense. Didn't really always they, – they just moved him around so much to so many different roles. And, and kind of like this year with Baron Browning. You know, sometimes moving a player around too much takes away their ability to actually be good at one thing. And, yeah. uh, and so I think Ajim could actually come in here and make some plays. He's going to get some reps. I mean, he's not going to be a starter by any means unless there's some injuries. But I, I think he's that type of guy that could really just have things click one day. The, the talent's there. He, he is just gifted athletically. And like I said, a year being in the gym of an NFL locker room, uh, in an NFL locker diet, all those kind of things. I really think he could shock some people this year. Yeah. And the, just how he was playing with Arkansas, he had really high pad level to kind of just step up out of his stance. He had some work to do yeah. um, to go from the college to the NFL level. But uh, I'm really excited to see him this year. He's one that uh, when the Broncos do end up playing preseason, he's one that you're going to want to watch given the investment and uh, what it means. Also, like if a regime really steps out this year, what does that mean for a Draymond Jones contract? Given what the Broncos are going to have to do with uh, Bradley Chubb, probably uh, Cortland Sutton, uh, some of those guys. So, it's a it's a worthwhile investment, but it's an investment, so we're gonna have to wait a little bit, um, just to see what happens there for him. But I'm I'm hopeful, right? He's a, yep. he's a fun player, um, and even as a late third round pick, even if he never develops into like a great starter, but he's kind of one of those first defensive linemen off the bench, that's fine. It's not great, but that's fine. That's not a miss, right? So uh, pick ninety five overall, that's not a miss. Um, so uh, hopefully we'll see. Well, what's what would Ajim's expectation be this year for you? Like, what is he going to, what would his role be ideally uh, given that how the Broncos defensive line depth chart uh, stacks up right now? I, I think if he could get like to that, like three to five sacks from the interior kind of guy, because wow. he's going to have a lot That's of, a lot. I know it is, but he's going to have a lot of one-on-one -on -one opportunities. And again, mm -hmm. he has that athletic explosive, explosive ability that if he can keep his pad le level low, and he can learn from Kolar, if he can learn from all the other players that are on the team that can go out there and teach him better technique, 
he, he's one of those guys. He just needs to be taught how to do it right because he just has never had that really. Arkansas is not really known for NFL caliber players coming out of that that university. I'm sorry if we have any Razorbacks listening here right now, but really? it's just yeah, it's been a been a long time since they've really been that kind of place. Um, but I, I could see that where he gets those kind of opportunities and goes and makes a couple plays that just surprise people. Uh, it was kind of like Draymond Jones, his rookie year. I mean, he had five sacks his rookie year and kind of surprised some people with limited snaps. I, I could see that same thing here with Ajim in year two. Yeah. Well, hopefully, because uh, the Broncos having depth in the defensive line. Um, anybody who followed football closely last year knows that the Minnesota Vikings just absolutely imploded because their defensive tackle depth was just gutted and that made everything the wheels fall off the bus because that it's like the antithesis of the Broncos this year with the cornerback position that happened with the Vikings defense, but at defensive tackle. So uh, I know Peyton's going to have some value and hope for depth there. Uh, moving on now, Albert Okwebenam, um, probably tight end two out, out of the gates, right? I mean, even though we only saw him a little bit this year, uh, he's got to be tight end two, right? Like he's not displacing Noah Fant. I know last year there's a lot of push for that for God knows what reason. A lot of Noah Fant dismissal going to be great this year. I'm really excited for him. That's not just the Hawkeye and me speaking out, although probably a little bit, Um, but the Tyler coming in here saying Alberto could make some great plays in the red zone or in uh, 21 personnel. Um, That's uh, I think he means 12 personnel, right? 21 is ace. Right. Yeah. So 12 personnel, unless he meant year 21, (laughs) which is possible also. Um, But um, yeah, no, that's uh, what are your expectations with Albert Okwebin on this year? Uh, what does he need to improve on? I know that he flashed last year in very limited sample size, but uh, for the tight end position, given how many hats tight ends have to wear, um, you'd really hope that uh, he can improve in a lot of areas of the game. Well, I mean, these stats right here, if he's around 500 yards and five touchdowns, I'm going to feel pretty good about that, honestly. Yeah, that's fine. For, for not being tight end number one, because that probably means Noah Fant went for like 800 to a thousand yards and probably closer to like eight to 10 touchdowns uh, from, and getting that from your tight end group, man, that that's pretty awesome. Um, and he is, he's going to be a red zone target. We saw it last year. That was what his main role was when he came in there for a little bit. Uh, he got his targets around the red zone and unfortunately dropped a couple plays that really could have been something big and made his season a little bit more promising. So he's got to be more consistent. He's got to go make those plays that that should have been there um, that are the, the big reason he's brought in of being that 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six guy that can go up above the rim and jump out jump everybody else. Um, he's never going to be your, like, take a slant play for 80 yards for a touchdown kind of thing from the tight end position. Um, that, that's going to be more of Noah Fant. We've seen that from him. He's done some of that. And But Okwebenam, if you can get him on some of those seam routes, where he can really use that straight line speed and his height advantage. Yeah, that works out pretty well. And for a tight end too, that's not bad. I mean, he's got to improve on blocking. That That's a, that's an easy given. He was not yeah. a great blocker in college. He was not a great blocker last year. And uh, so if he can really improve in that area, it's going to get him a lot more opportunities on the field. I just want him to play lower in every aspect of the game. I know he's what six, six, two sixty, six, five, two sixty, but he plays tall and that is not always a good thing. Um, center of gravity it's physics here. Um, so that's true. When he blocks, he blocks too tall. It doesn't have a good base and he can get blown up because of that. And also it leads him to lunge and lose his balance and get beat. Um, also he plays really tall in his routes. Um, and that leads him to curving off a bunch of his routes and not creating separation right now. He's a bubble screen or a seam route runner because he he turns like a battleship or an aircraft carrier yep. uh, right now um, when he's trying to create routes. And that's something that he's going to have to work on. I mean, the, he's it's a lot working against him given his math and his height. But I mean, we see that with like Gronkowski too, right? So um, it, you, it can be done. Uh, it's just, and comparing anybody to Gronk's not fair, but um, it, those are just things that he's going to have to work on. And it's never going to be perfect. He's never going to be as agile as Noah Fant, um, which is fine, but he can be really good and kind of a power player um, and if he never improves his route running, like if he always is kind of a bubble screen uh, hitch or a uh, seam route kind of guy, that's fine. He's got to block better, especially for this 2021 team. Um, with all the weapons they have, the pass catchers, the quarterback position being capped probably at average at best, probably. I mean, anything better than that's awesome, but I'm hoping for average. Like, just give me average. We haven't had that <laughs> since Peyton Manning. Um, 
I'll take average this year. Um, but because of that, it's probably going to be a run centric team this season. And that means your second tight end better block his ass off. And uh, mm-hmm. that's not been the case for Okuwebenam so far in his career. Yep. And uh, yeah, I mean, right here, CC saying I'm worried about their situation with blocking tight end. And uh, none of those names make me jump out of my seat and say, oh yeah, that guy, he's going to really emerge. Andrew Beck is kind of the uh, jack of all trades, master of none. Can do a little bit of everything, but isn't great at anything. Uh, I, I like Andrew Beck, but he has a role because the Broncos haven't had depth at tight end for a long time. Mm-hmm. And they're just kind of like, well, we got to have this guy because he can do things that the others can't. He can't do it great, but he can at least do it. And uh, so I, and I see some other people kind of with this. Uh, I wonder why teams don't use an extra offensive lineman slash tackle when they call run plays and try to maul teams. A uh, few reasons. <laughs> lot yeah, <laughs> yeah there, there, there's a lot here so one the nfl part of what makes great offensive coordinators great offense coordinators is you keep the defense off balance you keep them guessing what you're trying to do on the field you got six offensive linemen on the field they're sitting there saying all right this this makes it easy i know you're probably going to be running this eliminates a lot of options and it allows where you're, you're not going to send that tackle out into a, a route so we've only got to cover four guys so we can really stack the box and have our guys kind of just cover these little spots over here. And, you know, it's not a bad play to use every once in a while, but to actually have that be like a, a regular thing that you're trying to do just in today's NFL, where it is so much about spacing, where you're trying to really cover as much, make the defense have to cover as much of the field as possible. Even in the run game, you're trying to make them spread out so that you get easy boxes to run against. Mm-hmm. And uh, and bring that off extra offensive lineman means they can keep eight in the box. Yeah, not only that, um, but it also. Oh man, I have a good point here. It's box number stuff, right? So like you have that. Oh, it's um, because of that teams are going to be able to bracket or roll coverage to your best wide receiver. Also, like you're not worried about that. Uh, you're a you're taking a pass catcher off the field, so now you can shade a safety over to Cortland Sutton and limit the potential for a big play uh, because they're not afraid of that six offensive linemen. And uh, we just know just in general um, that uh, the running game is less likely to create points than the pass game. Pass yep. game is higher EPA, not even close. Um, so that's, that's one of the big things here. I do say that I do think though, there is a, a market um, for a six offensive linemen, but it's very niche. Um, I would be interested. Like if I was the, the Buffalo bills and you have a quarterback who's essentially a fullback when he wants to be with the run game and you put that uh, six offensive lineman in there, please God, daddy defensive coordinator, put in another linebacker, put it play bare front because if you don't, I'm going to be able to run quarterback power with Josh Allen. And if you do, uh, Josh Allen is a good enough passer where he's going to pick on somebody because you're not, uh, you're, you're taking off coverage players. So right. if you have a quarterback that is, you know, a special type of runner, then there, I, like I would love to see San Francisco do this with uh, George Kittle and a six offensive lineman with uh, Trey Lance. That would be fun, especially in the red zone. Um, but uh, as far as like overall, like that being a primary thing, uh, I think that ship has sailed. Yep. Um, we got Andrew Morrow coming in here, uh, who always is a big supporter here. And we're already at 50 minutes, guys. Wow, time flies. <laughs> um, keep up the great work, gentlemen. Thank you so much, Andrew. Um, we're going to have to get uh, flying here, uh, but not going to skip you, Andrew, or any super chats. If you guys got any, get them in. We appreciate you. I don't know if there's been any stars or anything today. I saw a couple blanks, but you never know. Uh, John's working the ones and two. So you guys don't lie to us. Don't, don't kid. Um, Broncos fifth round picks. Now, Justin Stranod and Natane Moody. Uh, Stranod path to play. I don't think it's as a starter. I think it's more of a sub package player. I think the Broncos fans in general um, underrate how solid uh, Stranod is or how solid a uh, jewel and Alexander Johnson are. Vic Fangio does not ask his linebackers to reinvent the wheel. A lot of run funnels. Um, and uh, he's not asking them very often to, you know, isolated against tight ends. And guess what? Again, behind me, all the linebackers in the NFL who could cover Darren Waller or Travis Kelsey one on one. Oh, there's nobody freaking there. Um, so like <laughs> if you had to, if you asked Josie, if your threshold or your parameter for them being good enough linebacker is covering Darren Waller or Travis Kelsey, good freaking luck. Right. Like that's, I'm only going to be happy if I marry, uh, God, just a bunch, a bunch and whatever. It's like, okay, well, sorry, buddy. Like good luck yeah. in life. Um, and so go ahead. 
I was just going to throw out a couple stats here. Broncos, I think, were fifth best in the NFL last season of giving up touchdowns to tight ends. And I know most people like to put point towards Tampa Bay as uh, as that example of, like, this is the team. Look at their linebackers and what they can do to stop tight ends. They gave up, I think, double the touchdowns the Broncos did to tight ends last season. So it was like nine to five. Yeah, yeah, I think that's that's their way it was. So not quite double, but uh, but I mean, it just kind of shows if that's your example of saying this is the team, they they were not actually the best team against tight ends last year. Yeah. There's just like you said, there's not many linebackers out there that you would trust in a one on one situation. Like there might be like two or three plays where I'm going, okay, go survive, please yep. survive this one play. Don't give up the big play. Beyond that, I'm not sitting there letting them cover one on one an entire game. I mean, I'd, I'd rather have Patrick Sertan be the guy that's covering our tight ends one on one the oh, entire game. Hundred percent. Yeah. Than, than any than any linebacker in the NFL. Yeah. I'm uh, going to put that out there. Even in the entire I, NFL. In the entire NFL. Man. I know. I, I'm making a bold statement there, but it just <sighs> linebackers are just not. There's not the elite guys that there were in the past, and tight end has just gotten so athletic. It used to be you go find yourself pretty much an extra offensive lineman that weighs about 20, 30 pounds lighter than an offensive lineman. And they make a few plays here and there. That was what the tight end position was all about. You had a few players like Shannon Sharp that showed up every once in a while that kind of changed things up a little bit. But now in the NFL, it really is about getting that athletic tight end that can just become the biggest mismatch on the entire field. I do want Fred Warner, man. I would take Fred Broncos one pick away, man. That's that hurts. Um, Dennis Woods coming in here. $2 super. Thank you so much, Dennis. Uh, great pod guys. Thanks. Hashtag BD for all Broncos Denver BD. for life. So that yeah. are uh, building Broncos for life. No, I yeah. uh, hashtag go Hawks. You know, he, he redeems himself completely there. If that was a misspelling there on that first one, doesn't even matter. It's perfect in my eyes. Cause the hashtag go Hawks. Um, when you say that around Seattle, people, people, don't take it the right way. I think Seattle actually, <laughs> the Seahawks actually sued the University of Iowa for Go Hawks. Those B beasters. Didn't they? Were they in a lawsuit for the twelfth man? With yeah, Texas, with, uh, Texas and yep, 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 exactly. Oh my gosh, greedy evil, yeah. um, <laughs> evil. Uh, so see, that's why I'm not maybe not going to the preseason game. I don't want to give them my money. No, it's expensive too. It costs as much to go to a preseason game as it does a regular season. What's up with that? Um. We got Pillar coming in here. Recipe for stopping t- tight ends is a good pass rush. It's also a good back seven because it's going to take a synergistic effect of your entire back seven playing with integrity, keeping stuff in front of them um, to uh, to slow them down. Right. Uh, so, you know, is what it is. Um, and somebody said, uh, even if you had a Luke Keekley, well, uh, point me to a, a first ballot Hall of Fame linebacker, and I'll say, you know what? Okay, I'll take him. But, uh, <laughs> again, um, so – I guess that's all I was getting to here. This long tangent here. I know we're already at 52 minutes. So we need to get running and then we go on a long tangent about linebackers, but Sernod, I think he's got a limited role this season. I do think that people have this expectation for him to come in and just be this amazing coverage linebacker. And I think he's going to be solid here. And I think he's very fluid in space. He's a lesser athlete than Josie Jewell is uh, uh, metrics wise. And I just don't know if he's going to be this like linebacking coverage dynamo savior that everybody's painting him out to be. And I'm I'm worried for the perspective because of him. I think he's going to be a solid player, but like the level that these fans are painting him up to be right now, I don't think is a, a reasonable uh, expectation. Right. Yeah, I think everybody's been just so hungry for a decent linebacker since we haven't had one since like 2016. They've had, They've had decent linebackers. Okay, okay, they haven't had a great linebacker since Trevathan. A game changer. I- I would even put Trevathan as just solid. He got paid, but I think you're going to see Alexander Johnson or Josie Jewell also get paid. Yeah. Right? Like, I, I think you haven't had, like, a true, like, multi-time Pro Bowl talent since Al Wilson. Okay. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, Bronco fans, either way, we've been hungry for it. It's the same with quarterback position because it's been that that long at least, if not longer, uh, for that kind of position to have that kind of player that just dominates in the middle of the field. And so just – you're right. I think expectations are maybe a little bit higher than they should be for a player of his athletic ability. I I like him, and I think he, he could be a solid starter in the NFL someday. But you and I have talked about it, and you just said it already on the show. Josie Jewell, one of the most underrated players on the Broncos right now. He had a, a very good season last year 
compared to what a lot of people ever thought he could be in the NFL. <laughs> Nick, um, I'm just it's kidding. True. Yeah, no, I mean, it's yeah. true. But he has. He, he's played beyond expectations for sure. And uh, all right, so we should get to some of these other guys. Maybe we, we should do rapid Moody, fire. Moody starting maybe 2022. He's kind of like yeah. Michael Ojibudi in that sense where the Broncos have invested heavily. Um, I'd be shocked if he isn't a starting guard, though. Uh, Graham Glasgow, while he's been solid, and I know he's a friend of the show because he's come on, but uh, he's going to have to play. Honestly, he's probably going to have to play at a Pro Bowl level this year unless Moody slash minors suck because of the amount of cap savings the Broncos can have uh, moving on from him. Uh, It's just that's the nature of the beast in the NFL. Um, It's kind of like college football where, like, I'm going to recruit you one year, but bet your ass I'm going to be recruiting a four or five star right behind you that's going to come and try to take your job because it's my job to replace you um, the following year. So that's just – that's a good situation. Uh, It's a good problem for the Broncos interior. But uh, Moody, um, very powerful, very short-armed, sometimes can be a lunger, needs to work on his pass sets. Right now it's kind of like the Will Hernandez experience where, like, if he gets a hold of you, he's taking you for a ride, but, like, is he getting a hold of you? Yeah, so, he, he had some highlight plays last year. And I think a lot of people really hyped him up saying, man, yeah. this guy, he is it. But if you watch some of his other players, there was a lot of lowlights as well, where yeah. he was out of position, didn't understand his role, Lungy. and was late getting to, to the block. Yeah. Um, so some work to do, but has some promise. All right, Tyree Cleveland, probably a kickoff specialist. Possibly kickoff specialist, both gunner as well, possibly. But I think he's the guy of uh, the Broncos looking to cut some uh, wide receiver depth. Uh, I think Tyree Cleveland could be the kick returner because you want guys typically a little bit bigger in that regard. Um, so uh, that's what I'm going for. And we have higher learnings coming in. Also, also, thank you so much, Gary. Uh, try and see. It's really fun when you don't have to like just pick and scab, pick a scab over and over again with the quarterback position. <laughs> um, but the higher learning saying um, Stranod was a fifth round pick. He can't be too, too hyped. He hasn't played yet. I think the fact that some people are talking about him replacing Josie Jewel or Alexander Johnson when he hasn't even played yet as a fifth round pick is enough to be like, okay, let's wait and see. Like, let's get the breaks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and anything to get from him, that'd be great. Um, Cleveland will be fighting for a roster spot. I agree. He has been uh, apparently pretty good in camp so far, but the, this is a tough wide receiver room to break. Um, but he's young and cost controlled. So uh, he has a chance over some of those other guys. Um, at least in my opinion. What do, you, what do you think? I mean, I would take him over. I, you have Patrick, you have Sutton, who are both free agents at the end of this year. I think that does yep. matter for keeping a guy who still has three years of control left. Um, you have Seth Williams, you have KJ Hamler, um, and you have Judy. That's five right there. Mm-hmm. If it was me, I'd be keeping the six, and the six would be Cleveland. Yep. So then you have two cost-controlled young guys. Actually, four cost-controlled young guys, but like long-term with uh, Seth and Tyree. Yep, and, and he's got he's got that special team's ability that you like on your back-end receivers. Yeah. Like I said, he could be a gunner. He could be a kickoff return specialist. He he can do those things for you and be successful. Maybe not yeah. quite to a Deontay Spencer explosiveness, but good enough that you feel good because he can actually come in and play wide receiver if there are some injuries that happen, and, and he could still develop into something moving forward. Deontay Spencer, I think there's a lot of people who sit there and say, man, get that athleticism on the field. Just get the ball in his hands. Let him go make a play. I'm sorry. There's a real big difference between playing receiver and playing returner. Yeah. Like you just don't see a lot of returners who are also great receivers. Yeah, that's true. Um, different skill set, right? Um, so uh, let's keep moving here. I like Tyree. I think he's got a chance. I think he was the number one wide receiver recruit in football uh, when he was a going into college too. So he's got some. He's got some talent. Question yeah. was never talent for him. It was a. Uh, Maturity, I think. We'll just leave it at that. Um, Derek Tuska coming in here. A pick that I predicted. Yes, I predicted this one. Um, so what was it? Two, pick 254, I think, for the Broncos. Um, God, useless knowledge just somewhere in the recesses of my brain. Imagine what I'd be doing. if <laughs> What useful stuff I could have in there. Um, but uh, Derek Tuska, I know we always say that you want to wait a little bit um, to see these guys, but going from Division Two to the NFL, he looked very overmatched last year, not to the extent that we also saw Malik Reed, uh, his first season in the NFL. So I do wonder if Tuska needs to make a transition to off ball linebacker, if he's going to hang, he's the yeah. one of the, the most confident. There's not really good edge depth on this team outside of the top three. So there is, there are roster spots. Right. Um, but uh, as far as like long-term prospects, he's the one out of these guys that I would probably bet on the least. He's the last pick I know, but like, he's the one that impressed me the least um, out of these guys. Yep. No, you're right. I mean, they did take Jonathan Cooper there in the seventh round this year. Yep. that I think has some real promise if he can get through the whole heart issue that he's going through. Um, I mean, that, that's the only reason he was there in the seventh round. Talent-wise, he should have gone higher. 
but uh, yeah, it, it's it's going to be interesting who they keep for that fourth spot mm-hmm. at the edge. I, I I don't think it's going to be one of those they win it because they've earned it. Unfortunately, it's kind of a top three and then big drop off after that for the Broncos at that spot. But uh, all right, let's get to the the main the main show before we get out of here. Yeah, right. Jerry Judy, KJ Hamler. All right, let's start with KJ Hamler. We'll leave the the best for last, the the first round pick that's supposed to be the star. So KJ Hamler, with a crowded wide receiver room, what what do you expect the Broncos to do with him this year? They need to get him the ball, and he needs to get healthy. I think those are the biggest two. Um, while he still has a uh, and oh, Michael cut me off here. No, I'm just kidding. Thank you so much, Michael. <laughs> uh, no, it's okay. Uh, th- Super nice. Let's save that one for the end of the show um, because we're going to rapid fire here a bit. Um, But Kamler, he needs to stay healthy. He's still extremely young. I think he's still only 21. So that probably he'd be one of the younger players in the the Broncos draft class this year. Um, But he already has a year in the league. So I would not be too uh, upset this year if he's still kind of a guy who's reaching or growing slowly. And you see a little bit more of him as the season goes along, especially considering uh, the injuries he dealt with last year and also an injury this year already. You just hope he doesn't become that guy who uh, shoulda, coulda, woulda, and then the Broncos let him go at the end of his rookie contract, and he blossoms somewhere else. Because that's a possibility. I mean, he's extremely young. Also, love that he—he's literally the only player on this team that has the skill set that he does, as far as being a a vertical threat, but also a jitterbug in the short area game. Um, he right. can make some dudes completely whiff and look foolish. Um, so, expectations this year—it's still probably going to be one where he's more of a niche player. Uh, but um, you want to see him grow, and then hopefully this Broncos can kind of change their identity, their formula um, in 2022. Obviously, you're moving on from one of Sutton or Patrick. Probably not obviously, but very likely. Then yep. you're hoping that uh, Hamler becomes that uh, that third wide receiver out there. Right. I I saw somebody say Hamler is a better version of Spencer uh, from Tim Durr here. And, and this is kind of one of my things. Get Like you said, get KJ Hamler the ball. If that means having him work as a punt returner and become that kind of guy, and you just give him the opportunity to go be the speedster that goes make some plays in the open field, uh, that, that's what I do because it is going to be hard for him to get a lot of big time snaps as a wide receiver if everybody stays healthy. I mean, Cortland Sutton, he's a true number one, could be a top 10 wide receiver if he really recovers from this injury and has any kind of consistent quarterback play. Uh, I mean, I've, I've been trying not to mention quarterbacks, but uh, we got to the wide receivers. We got to mention them a little. Yeah, you have to. Um, but Tim Patrick, obviously, another guy that really showed well last year. Um, you know, you're trying to increase his value, whether you keep him or not, just because you can get a comp pick for for whatever he can bring on the field. And of course, Jerry Judy. I mean, he's your guy. You got to get him on the field. He's your first round pick. So it just makes sense that you got to have him out there. Um, so yeah, KJ Hamler, I think he's going to have some limitations on how many snaps he can get, but when he is on the field, then I, I say, yeah, make sure you've scheme plays towards him that you're trying to make sure he has a chance to go make some big plays. Yeah, absolutely. And again, for Hamler, kind of like Ojemudia, like even though you might not see him as much as you'd hope this year. And if you do, maybe it's because of injuries above him, but, uh, don't, don't put it out that candle, right? Like just because it's more situationally because the Broncos actually have talent at the position he plays that he's not getting as many reps or looks as you'd want versus an actual indictment on him. And that's right. a good situation to be. It's many years. I mean, we've had the Broncos playing guys and like, Oh, we're seeing all these rookies. That means it must be great. Or it's because the players that they have around them are bad. So you're forced to play these young guys earlier than you'd want. I don't think that's the case for a wide receiver or cornerback this year. So don't, uh, don't distinguish that can candle for uh, KJ Hamler. And then finally, Jerry Judy, uh, was my um, man very high on Jerry Judy. Uh, very curious to see what his role is long term this year. I think his best bet is that the Broncos are running eleven personnel. You're going to see him in the slot. You're going to see Cortland Sutton and Tim Patrick on the outside, being those big body guys, and then let give Jerry Judy space in the horizontal planes, both directions, uh, to create separation and get easy completions. And then hopefully, like we saw in that uh, the Raiders game last year, um, so do some yak stuff because unfortunately last year with quarterback play the way it was. Um, Jerry Judy's yak opportunities were limited. Um, but when he gets the ball in space, he is a lot of fun. He can create separation. Just got to get the guy the ball in time. Yep. I'm with you. Uh, I, I would say anything less than a thousand yard season from Jerry Judy would be a letdown, mm-hmm. not only for his draft position, but the hype that's already come out of this off season of him just being one of the biggest playmakers at all of the OTAs and mini camps and everything else. 
Um, and, and just, I mean, he seems like he's a guy that's on a mission to really kind of come back from what he showed last year with some of those drops. Uh, and <laughs> yes, he guys. does. Yes. He, he does show up on social media a lot. Um, and that, that is a concern sometimes where a player really works so hard to, I guess, build their brand. And, and Jerry Judy's one of those guys. He's not always uh, the most well-spoken in the sense of like, he'll, he'll just say what's on his mind. And sometimes for the NFL teams don't like that. They like you to kind of toe the line that the company line and Jerry Judy doesn't usually do that. So uh, it, it'll be interesting to see how he kind of vibes with the whole organization moving forward. And, you know, for being a first round pick, you always want to see that guy get to a second contract. I, I'm very interested to see how much the team kind of is frustrated with some of that off the field stuff that he has. Uh, I'm, I'm not saying that he's a, a distraction or anything like that. I'm just saying I could see him becoming that kind of guy just because of how much he is on social media. Just like me with mile high huddle, right? Just total distraction for everybody. I see John shaking his head in the background. Um, but uh, yeah, I've, I've, I'm excited for Judy this year. Um, Got to get in the ball in time. A lot of mouths to feed. Um, but overall, I think John Owe had a really good draft class um, in 2020. And it put the Broncos, again, stacking a good class in 2019 and 2020, in my opinion, um, and really getting this Broncos team set up in the right direction where they have a good bunch of good players on rookie contracts. Um, so these guys got a, a lot to prove still, um, but it's overall solid rookie year. Um, and that's the reason this team is uh, a dark horse this year if the quarterback play can step up. Um, so we'll see. And I see a lot of people saying uh, Clay, taking uh, Claypool instead of KJ Hamler. Um, while they both play wide receiver, it couldn't be farther apart on the spectrum of skill set. You're talking about Claypool, who is a really good wide receiver, but like complete overlap of skills of Cortland Sutton and uh, Tim Patrick. And you don't want to have just the same type of wide receiver and over over again. You want guys who can fill different uh, roles, different niches, and uh, speed kills guys. I mean, just look at last year. I think Anthony Schwartz went in the second round or third round, and he was terrible at Auburn as a football player. But mm-hmm. the dude can fly. Speed yep. is always going to be valued super high because name of the game right now is creating explosive plays and the best way to do that speed um so thanks guys very much for joining us today we probably got to get on out of here i got to cook some dinner um but uh appreciate everyone for joining us today um you can find carl on twitter at carl dumbler mhh and myself at nick kendall mhh also guys make sure you follow john on twitter at john k mhh um while you're over on twitter follow us at btb football pod and at mile high huddle uh, Facebook people, please click those thumbs up. I see we got these numbers pumped up now. We got a carry act from Allison Sessions. I see you, Allison. Thank you very much. Couple loves here, Jason O'Neill and Terry Rigg. Let's let's pump those numbers up. If I get a care or a heart, I'm I'm gonna read it out here. Um, so uh, thank you guys for joining us. If you're on Facebook, also go to facebook.com forward slash mile high huddle pod and facebook.com forward slash mile high huddle. Um, guys, YouTube. Please, I know you all YouTube listeners out there, subscribe, like, and share if you're joining us there today. Um, that can help us a heck of a lot. And uh, I guess it's going to do it for us today, Carl. Um, appreciate everybody who joined in, uh, donated, and uh, everyone stay safe. And uh, hopefully no heat dome is ha- heading your way as well. Uh, we're finally getting out of the heat wave uh, here in Seattle. So going to be a good week, hopefully. Good vibes. I kept my shirt on today, so that's good. Um, and uh, we'll see you all next Tuesday, same time, same place, for another episode of Building the Broncos. You've been listening to Building the Broncos. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going.